Thanks for tuning in to 318 Live Podcast. If this is your first time, we want you to know that you are loved. And we're praying for you. We're praying that each message will encourage you no matter what journey you find yourself in. We hope you enjoy this message. I've been steady coming to 318 Live for seven of the eight years. I think I told you the last time I spoke, I was sneaking in at the ripe young age of 14 years old because Miss Sarah Partain at the time was like sneaking me in the back door. Um, But it is such an honor uh, to just have that come full circle and be able to share with you guys tonight. Um, You guys are my family. You have been for seven years. Um, And so... Thanks for being here. Um, so we're going to pray really quickly. There, um, There's a lot of things going on in our country right now. There's a lot of things, uh, reasons for us to be brokenhearted, reasons for us to be divided. Um, but I really believe that now um, is a time for us to be united as the body of Christ um, and, and stick together. And the, and the Bible says that we bear one another's burdens and we weep with those who weep. Um, and we also, we get, to, we get to share the grief, but we get to share the joy too. Um, and so we're just going to pray really quickly, and then we're going to dive into the word. Sound good? Awesome. God, I thank you so much. Um, I thank you so much for tonight. Uh, and I thank you just that, that you are the God of impossible situations, that you bring comfort to the brokenhearted. You bind up the brokenhearted is what your word says. And so I pray tonight for um, just an extension of the body of Christ that, uh, that is going through just the worst thing imaginable in Texas right now. Um, We just lift them up to you, uh, and we stand with them. God, and I pray that you would be so near and so close, that your Holy Spirit truly would be the comforter um, in this time. And um, and we we thank you for that. We thank you you for the cross, because there's hope in the cross. And and so we pray for tonight. God, I pray that you would absolutely have your way, uh, that you would communicate exactly what you want to communicate, even if it means I stumble over my words and fall on my face. I'm okay as long as you're here. Um, And so we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Hey, I have a question for you. Do you or have you ever had an enemy? Like an arch nemesis. You're like, "Mm mm-mm, it's going down. It's going down. Here's what I need you to know is I didn't think that I had an enemy. I didn't think I did. And then about two or three weeks ago, someone correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was about, it was a three it was three weeks ago, I, w- I happened to be the victim of a drive-by shooting. <laughs> Me along with about 12 other people in this room. Uh, I-, I need to tell you the full story. Obviously, I am alive today, praise God. The, <laughs> the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. It wasn't my end. That's what's up. Um, but I was having a little game night at my house uh, with some of my friends. Uh, my roommates and I are about to move out of the house that we have been in for the last year and a half. And I thought, you know, what's one last game night? Let's do one last game night. Just get a few people together. And you know how it goes. Like, you invite, like, two folks, and, and they invite their two folks, and they invite their two folks. And all of a sudden, I'm, like, doubling my turkey chili recipe, and I've got, like, two crock pots going at once. And I'm like, I'm about to have a house full of people. We have a real small house, too. So this was, like, drama. And so at about 8.22 p.m., I know because I've got the read receipts uh, on my phone, <laughs> Ashanti, she's somewhere in this building. She walks in. Uh, she walks in. And at about 8.30, we hear a big boom, boom. And we're like, we, like, 
That's what, that's a gunshot. You can use your imagination. God gave you one. I've got my people making fun of me over here. I'm going to need y'all to just sit down. And so, anyway, uh, we hear big boom, boom. And uh, <laughs> I'm never going to live that one down. And, uh, and, it's, and it's one of those things because we live in a very safe, very safe part of town. Very safe. And uh, so everyone stops. We're playing a good game of catchphrase at the time. I don't know if y'all play catchphrase. Uh, shout out. Uh, also, I need you to know that only in a Christian game of catchphrase uh, can someone get the, I don't know if y'all have ever played catchphrase, but you like get a phrase and you can't say the words in the phrase. You have to describe the phrase and your team has to guess the phrase. And I think Jenny Green, she's somewhere here, she uh, got, the, got the phrase playing a game and she says, what are we doing right now? And like three different people yelled out, community. And we're like, <laughs> only Christians. Like only Christians. I have to believe that Jesus laughed in that moment. Um, but no, we hear, we hear what sounds kind of like gun, gunshots. Uh, everyone stops in the room except for the, the catchphrase game, which the beeping is just getting faster and faster. So it's not a good time for gunshots to go off. Uh, and, um, and we all look at each other. And we pause, and we're like, was that? And then we all bust out laughing. Because we're like, no, it's not gunshots. We live in Broadmoor. You know, like nothing happens in Broadmoor. Wrong. Let me tell you what. Drive-by victim right here in Broadmoor. And so um, about an hour and a half later, Lindsay Bruce, she leaves. She's like, I'm a teacher. Y'all are bums. You don't have jobs. But I got to get up and go to work in the morning. So peace. So she leaves the house. And about not even five minutes later, my, my phone starts uh, ringing, and it's a FaceTime from Lindsay Bruce. At this point, we've moved on to apples to apples, um, and I'm, like, trying to win. So, you know, very competitive. The just immediate anger reaction comes out of me, and I'm like, why is Lindsay Bruce FaceTiming me right now? She was here five minutes ago. <laughs> what does Lindsay Bruce mean? So, I, so then I start thinking, well, she's only FaceTiming me if she has something important to say, right? So I answer the, answer the call. And Lindsay says, hey, remember that we heard that sound and we, like, laughed because we didn't actually think it was a gunshot? And I was like, yeah. And at this point, everyone in the living room is, like, looking at, at me because they can all hear Lindsay on the phone. And she said, well, I just got home and there's a bullet hole in my car. <laughs> and I was like, like, this is just, it's not even possible at this point. Like, in my mind, something else happened, but it's not a bullet hole. And she says, but I wasn't even parked closest to the street. So for this bullet to have hit my Jeep, it had to go through Camille's forerunner. She's somewhere in here. And uh, I tell you what, I have never seen a living room full of 13 people, like, bolt out the door at one time. It's 1030 at night. We're running out to the driveway. You have to understand, I said, very small house. When you've got 13 people, I mean, we're, we look like a junkyard. We've got cars parked everywhere. Like, our driveway can hold about six cars, but then there's, like, everybody's pulling in the grass. And so we're all out there. We run out. Sure enough, a bullet has gone through Camille's driver's side window, through her car outside the pass, like through the passenger side door panel and then hit Lindsay's Jeep and the bullet ricocheted from there. And we're like, what the heck? Our game night just turned into a real life game of Clue. Like this is, <laughs> this is incredible. I mean, you have to understand, it's only incredible because 
no one died. <laughs> you know, like the cars that got shot were actually right outside of our living room window. Very small living room that 13 people were packed into. And so had both cars not been there to take the bullet, it would have absolutely gone into uh, our living room. And so everyone's safe. We're good. We know it's been about an hour and a half since we, since we heard the sound anyway. So none of us are nervous. We call the police. I'm excited because I, I don't know what it is, but, you know, like <laughs> when you're young and you just always want to call 911 to just to see what would happen, I'm like, now is my chance. It's my moment. I get to call 911. And so I'm on the phone with 911. The cops pull up, and he walks up to uh, myself, Camille, and Lindsay because their car is my house. And, uh, and he looks very seriously at us. You have to understand, this guy is like 6'6", huge dude, huge cop. And he, he looks at us, he goes, y'all have any enemies? I was like, apparently, I don't know. I didn't think I had any enemies before right this moment. Uh, Camille's like, I don't know, flesh and blood enemies? I don't know, spiritual enemies, yeah, you know what I mean, like, we're just cracking jokes. The funniest part is because between the 13 of us, we had staff members from half the churches in Shreveport, and so we're just dying at this question, do you have any enemies? We see all throughout the Bible that there were enemies from the very beginning. For as long as the people of God were on earth, there was an enemy, Right? Like literally, all throughout the Bible, we see the snake in the garden with Adam and Eve up until today, right? Like we all are battling not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Hello, enemy, enemy, you know. Um, after Adam and Eve, you know, a, a little while goes along and then, you know, Abraham comes along. And this is when God makes his covenant with the people of Israel and they become the people of God. And literally, anyone who came against the people of God were considered an enemy, Right? Because they weren't God's people. Anyone who's against the people of God is an enemy. We go to the New Testament, and, and, and Jesus understands uh, that we are enemies of God. If you, you and I in this room, not of Jewish descent, Gentile, what's up? That's me. You know, enemy of God. Romans 5.10 literally says, For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of of his son. So we see we would have been enemies. Like we we were God's enemy and he came to set us free and save us and make him make us part of his people. Well, just as long as there have been enemies, there have been people of God. And almost just as long as there have been people of God, there have been there has been a remnant of the people of God. Okay, a remnant being a group of people within the people of God that is fully devoted and fully set apart to God, right? Like even within the Israelites, there was always a remnant. There was always a group of people who were like, like there were some Israelites that were just like Israelite by birth. Like they just kind of lucked into it, you know, born into the tribe of whatever, like Israelite, what's up? You know what I'm saying? But then there's the remnant, the people who are within the Israelites. They are devoted to God. We see this in the church today. There's so many people in the church. The church is made up of so many people, but there is a remnant within the church that is about God's business, right? Right? So tonight, we are going to be talking about a specific group of people in the Old Testament, a remnant, if you will, 
Um, and we're going OT, right? Not OG, OT, Old Testament. Uh, we're going to be in 2 Kings 18 and 19. I'm going to uh, paraphrase uh, most of 18, and then I'll read a bit of 19 to you. But we're going to throw it back to a story about a guy uh, named Hezekiah. I don't know if you've heard of Hezekiah. I've known Jesus my whole life and hadn't heard of Hezekiah until about a year ago, and I grew up Baptist, so I'm not sure how that slipped through the cracks. You know what I mean? Um, but we're throwing it back to a story about Hezekiah. Let me tell you about Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the king of the tribe of Judah, okay? This is one of the 12 tribes of Israel, one of God's, uh, Israel being God's chosen people, the one he made a covenant with, um, that he said, your people will be my people, uh, and I will be their God, all, the, all that good stuff. Throw it back, go read about Abraham. It's in there. But he is the king of one of the uh, 12 tribes, and uh, he actually took over reign from his dad, Ahaz. Now, if you don't know about Ahaz, Ahaz was awful. He was a terrible king. He did terrible things in the sight of the Lord. He, like, sacrificed one of his sons to, like, some other god. This is the king of Israel. The ki not the king of the king of the tribe of Judah, which is part of Israel. He is literally the king of part of God's people who are set apart. And he is, like, worshiping He, I mean, I'm telling you. Ahaz, bad dude. Hezekiah comes, takes over. Here's what I need you to know. Tribe of Judah, I don't know if you know this. Uh, this is the tribe that Jesus' lineage is out of. And to be honest, we're going to throw it back real quick. I can't think of uh, the tribe of Judah without um, thinking of that verse in Revelation where uh, it refers to Jesus as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Right? And I can't think of that verse without thinking of this one song. Here's, I need to preface this. So some of y'all know where I'm going with this. I already told you, I grew up Baptist. We worship, like, you know, we got instruments on stage. It's great, you know, we worship. But the most lit we ever get in a worship experience is like, you know, how great is our God for three minutes, but not over three minutes. And if we're really getting into it, we're going to do the sign language, how great is our God. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you learned the sign language of how great is our God. That's how you know the Spirit's moving in the Baptist church. People pull out the sign language. Okay? You can understand my culture shock when I start hanging out with some charismatic friends. God, <laughs> I'm riding in the car with Sarah Partain one day. She puts on an 11-minute Misty Edwards song. I don't know, no worship song at this point in my life that goes over three minutes and 15 seconds. But we're going, Misty Edwards, people get ready. And I need you to know that when she starts going, doo, doo, I can hear the rhythm of the lion of the tribe of Judah. Doo, doo, like over and over. <laughs> She's dying laughing because she knows that it's true. 11 minutes of this song, you can understand. I'm just like wide-eyed. I don't know what is wrong with these people. I'm like, can we please do some sign language? Like what? I don't know Lion of the Tribe of Judah in sign language. <laughs> so Hezekiah, <laughs> all that to say, was the king of the tribe of Judah. And he, um, everything that his dad did wrong, Hezekiah righted those wrongs. Um, the, the Bible literally says in 2 Kings 18, it says that Hezekiah walked in the ways of the Lord. And because he walked in the ways of the Lord, God was with him 
And he was successful in literally everything he put his hand to. He was like, he prospered at everything. And, and for 14 years, Hezekiah reigned this way, having nothing but victory for 14 years. Y'all, it's kind of hard for me to remember 14 years back. I'm only 20, I'm only 21, like 14 years. That's a chunk of time, right? That is a chunk of time. And he has win after win after win for 14 years. And then all of a sudden, something happens. Hezekiah gets an enemy. And his enemy's name is Sennacherib. Can y'all say Sennacherib on three? One, two, three. I might have had y'all pronounce that wrong. Look, I just got to be honest. I don't know how to say that name, but that's how I'm reading it. And it literally says uh, that in the 14th year of Hezekiah's reign, uh, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, rose up and took all of the tribe of Judah's 45, not 45, 45 towns. All, every single one of them, the king of Assyria came and took hold of. Now you can imagine, you are on a winning streak. Nothing but wins. You're going out, you're conquering folks. You're like putting feathers in your cap. You're walking with the Lord. And he's giving you all these people. And then all of a sudden, every single one of your fortified cities gets taken down by someone who's not walking with Jesus. Like, can we just imagine for a minute that Hezekiah is stunned. Like, absolutely stunned. Um, he's been walking with God. He's been doing what's right. He's been experiencing nothing but victory as a direct result of walking with God. And here's the thing is, the walking with God didn't change. The winning changed. He's still walking with God. He's just losing. You ever been there? I know I've been there. I'm walking with God. I'm like, you know what, God? I feel like things are finally going well. I'm in, my, I'm in the word every day. I'm like, I'm experiencing you. I'm seeing you show up and do this and this and this with my li- in my life. And then all of a sudden, like something falls through the cracks. And you're like, Lord, we got to talk. Like this, this is not going to be, uh, this is not going to be okay with me. I'm a little bit confused. I'm a little bit broken. Um, and that's exactly where Hezekiah was. And and this marks a seriously hard part of Hezekiah's reign. And he, he faces a huge decision here. Am I going to stick this thing out with God, the one who has gotten me through the past 14 years with nothing, of, nothing but victory, or now that I'm losing, am I going to walk away? There are moments that show us what we're made of. And those moments are the moments that we're going to say, I'm going to choose to stick this one out with God, or I'm going to walk away. And let me tell you that no matter how bad your circumstance gets, it's still a choice. You still choose whether you're going to stay or leave, right? And Hezekiah is facing this choice, and he chooses to stick it out. And so at this point, uh, Sina Cherub's guys, uh, they come, and they are talking with Hezekiah's guys. They're like exchanging words, you know what I'm saying? Like the homeboys, they're like smack talking, all that good stuff. Um, and just when it looks like Hezekiah's, like, situation couldn't get any worse, right? Like, all of his fortified towns already taken. Like, how could this get any worse? No, it starts getting worse. Because King Sennacherib's messengers, they not only come and start mocking Hezekiah in front of his own kingdom, in front of his own messengers, in front of the own peop- the own, his own people that serve him. They start mocking Hezekiah's God. They start mocking our God. 
the God that we serve today. And they literally say, the king of Assyria has taken everyone, everyone that he's ever come up against. He has beat them. The other nation's gods didn't do anything to say, like, to save them. What makes you think that your God is going to show up? You're already losing. You might as well give up. Like, so they're mocking God in front of Hezekiah's people. And this is the God that Hezekiah has put on a pedestal for 14 years. He said, he's the reason why we're succeeding. If we stay submitted, if we stay low, if we stay submitted to this God, we are going to win. All of a sudden, they're losing. All his people can already see they're losing. And now they've got the voice of his enemy saying, look, your God ain't doing nothing. How many of y'all know? That the enemy doesn't just attack us, he tries to attack our view of God, right? He tries to make us think that God's not good. And if you partner with the thought that God's not good, we're going downhill from there, right? And so, th so Hezekiah has another choice. Now not only am I being mocked, not only have I lost my fortified towns, my God's being mocked. And what am I going to do? And Hezekiah chooses to pray. And it literally says that he knelt down before the Lord. And he said, God, hear us. Hear us. Come to our rescue. But don't just come to our rescue to, to rescue us. Come to our rescue uh, to show them that you are God. To show them that you are the living God. Yeah, the other nations' gods didn't show up for them. Because the other nations' gods don't exist. You are the living God. Come and show up and show them what you're made of. And something amazing happens. Hezekiah gets a word from God. Any of y'all ever got a word from God? Like, it, like you, you got a word from God right when you needed one. You're in the thick of it, and God just shows up. I don't care if it's a prophetic word, if you're actually, like, in the scripture and something jumps out at you. The Holy Spirit does that. The Holy Spirit highlights things in the Bible to jump out at you right when you need it. But I am here to tell you a word of God literally changes everything. Right? I remember a time in my life, I was in high school, uh, I was clashing a lot with my parents, with my family. Um, it was just like not a fun time. And I'm just like, Lord, what the heck? What the heck? I'm trying here. I'm walking with you. I don't understand why this is happening. And someone that I did not, did not know came up to me. And she looked at me straight in the eye and she said, I know things are tough in your family right now. Like, I know, I know you're clashing with members of your family, but God wants you to know that he put you in your family to be a pillar of faith, and it's going to be worth it if you stick it out. How many of y'all know that changed some stuff? I walk back up in my house, I'm like, pillar of faith, what's up? Like, I'm a pillar of faith. Now, I probably needed to do it a little bit more humble, but I was like 15, you know what I'm saying? So, like, a word of God, you just get excited. You just get excited. But that's the thing, is one word from God, and I was flooded with peace. I was flooded with faith. I was flooded with love. That is the power of literally one single word from God. Do you need a word from God tonight? Are you, in a, are you just at a point where you're just like, God, I just need you to speak. I just need some answers here. Look, God, not, God wants to talk to you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the last time I checked, he's been talking the whole time the Bible has been recording history, which is literally since the beginning of the world, he's been talking to his people. He wants to talk to you. He doesn't change, right? He wanted to talk to Hezekiah. 
And this is how he did it. And it picks up in 2 Kings 19, 20 through 31. It's 11 verses, so stick with me, okay? It says, then Isaiah, the son of Amoz, I don't know if y'all can pronounce that, sent this message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I have heard your prayer. That brings comfort to me right there. God hearing my prayer, thank you. Um, about King Sennacherib of Assyria, and the Lord has spoken this word against him. I want a word spoken against me from the living God? No, thank you. Okay, so the first part of what I'm about to read to you is God's word to King Hezekiah, but it is directed as if he is talking to Hezekiah's enemy. Okay, so keep this in mind. Like, this is God, it's encouraging Hezekiah, but he's not talking to Hezekiah, he's talking to Sennacherib. Okay, it says, The virgin daughter of Zion despises you and laughs at you. The daughter of Jerusalem shakes her head in derision as you flee. Whom have you been defying and ridiculing? Against whom did you raise your voice? At whom did you look with such haughty eyes? It was the Holy One of Israel. By your messengers, you have defied the Lord. You have said, with my many chariots, I have conquered the highest mountains. Yes, the remotest, pe the remotest peaks of Lebanon. I have cut down its tallest cedars and its finest cypress trees. I have reached its furthest corners and explored its deepest forests. I have dug wells in many foreign lands. I have refreshed myself in their water. With the sole of my foot, I stopped all the, the rivers in Egypt. But have you not heard? that I decided this long ago. Long ago, I planned this, and now I am making it happen. I planned for you to crush fortified cities into heaps of rubble. That is why their people have so little power and are so frightened and confused. They are as weak as grass, as easily trampled as tender green shoots. Basically, God's saying, what you bragging about? They weak anyway. That's why you beat them. I line this up. They are as weak as grass. They are as easily trampled as tender green shoots. They are like grass sprouting up on a housetop, scorched before it can grow lush and tall. But I know you well. I know where you stay. I know when you come and when you go. And I know the way that you have raged against me. And because of your raging against me and your arrogance, which I have heard for myself, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will make you return by the same road on which you came. Basically, God is just looking at Hezekiah's enemy and saying, look, you only won because I let you in. Now you're going to sit down. You're going to turn around and you're going to go back on the very road you came. Here's what I want you to go know is that God doesn't just see you. God sees your enemy, right? He knows your struggle. He sees you in your deepest moments of struggle. He knew all about Hezekiah. There was not one moment of Hezekiah's brokenness that God missed. He was there for it. He was familiar. But in the exact same way that he sees you and the ins and outs of you, David says in Psalm 139, the exact same thing that God just said about the enemy. He says, I know when you come and when you go. I know the innermost parts of your being. God also knows when our enemies come and when they go. He knows the, he knows the innermost parts of the being. He knows what is coming against you. He is 
intimately familiar with your enemy. And not only did God know everything about Hezekiah's enemy, he had aligned every one of their steps that succeeded. He let the enemy win there for a minute. He said, look, you're winning because I let you win. Y'all ever have that moment when you're like playing a game and you finally win against somebody that you've been like trying to beat? And they're like, but I let you win. And you're like, I don't want you to let me win. I want to actually win. Like a win that someone let you win is not satisfying. Right? Like I want to actually win. God says, you only won because I let you win. They were weak anyway. What are you bragging about? Like you have nothing here. The only reason you succeeded is because I planned it. The only reason you've beat my people up until this point is because I have allowed it. Allowed it. And you're bragging about taking down my people. And the only reason that you could do it is because I let you do it. And here's the thing is that there are some of you who have been walking with God and you've experienced massive heartbreak and you're in the thick of the struggle and you can't see the light. But you need to know that when you are submitted to God, even when it seems like you are losing, you do not have to fight your own enemies because he is looking at your enemies and he is saying, look, you're going to turn around, you're going to sit down, you're going to go back the way you came. Look, God is looking at your enemy, whatever it may be. And he's saying, I am their God. You don't win here. I have already won. It could be your absolute darkest moment, but God knew this was going to happen. And he never intended and still doesn't for you to be totally wiped out. He never, God will never let you be completely wiped out. So God continues in verse 29. Um, it says, then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, so God's no longer talking to the enemy because he just scared the crap out of the enemy. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, here is the proof that what I say is true. This year you will only eat what grows up by itself. Next year you'll eat what springs up from that. But in the third year you will plant crops and harvest them. You will tend vineyards and eat their fruit. And you who are left in Judah, you who have escaped the ravages of the siege, will put roots down in your own soil, will grow up and flourish. For, for a remnant of my people will spread out from Jerusalem a group of survivors from Mount Zion, the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Another translation, uh, ESV specifically, says these la those last two verses this way. And the surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downwards, bear fruit upwards, and for out of Jerusalem will go a remnant, and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors. And it's the zeal of the Lord that will do this. This is my favorite part. Because he's talking about us here. Even Old Testament, he's talking about us. Like I said before, God doesn't change. His will for his people then is his will for his people now. His will for the remnant then is his will for the remnant now. The remnant of God's people is so important. Because throughout history, God shows up for the remnant. There has not been one point in time that God has left the remnant stranded, ever, ever. 
There was uh, a few months ago, I was at a conference in Kansas City, uh, and <laughs> a friend called me um, and said, you know, Ellis, I feel like, you know, you might not be in Shreveport that much longer. I feel like you'll probably, you know, leave here pretty soon. And, and I remember thinking, okay, like, that's fine. That's fine. And I remember, like, responding and saying, as long, like, I will go wherever there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Oh, my gosh, LOL at my Christian answer right there. I will go where there's an outpouring of the Spirit right there. And I was at this conference, and, uh, and we had met this woman who was super prophetic, super awesome. Um, and her name was Mary, mother of Jesus, what's up? And, uh, and I was telling Mary about this conversation that I had with her friend. And, uh, and I said, you know, I, just, I told my friend that I would go wherever there was an outpouring of the Spirit. And she looked at me in the face, and I have known this person for like 24 hours, and she said, you and I both know that's a lie. I pulled a Jesus in that moment. Woman, Jesus jokes. Her name was Mary. I got tons of them. I'll be here all night. And uh, I was like, woman, and she said, um, she said you're going to go where God tells you to go. Whether there's an outpouring of the Spirit or not, you and I both know that if God tells you to go or if he tells you to stay, you're going to be obedient. And, he, and she said more than that, she said anywhere God shows up, he shows up because there's a remnant of his people there who are making a way for him to come. I said, okay. I mean, what do you say? What do you say to somebody? I'm like, I don't know you. I don't know, but okay. And at this point, I didn't really understand the concept of being a remnant. So I'm like, well, Lord, am I a remnant? Do I need to know what that means? And so I said, you know what, God, I'm going to study this. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to study this. And so I, I like made, I, I made a plan. I said, I'm going to look up all the times throughout the Bible. I'm going I'm to look up what the you know, Greek, Hebrew of the word remnant is, and look throughout the Bible at all the times that this word is used. Um, and I'm going to figure out what it means to be a remnant. Um, and so I'm not saying <laughs> that God uh, has spoken over my life that I'm about to be a permanent remnant in Shreveport. I don't know that. But here is what I do know is that um, God has called all of us to be a remnant. God has called all of us to be part of the few, even within the church, who are wholly submitted and devoted to him, right? And he will always, always show up. So I'm trying to figure out what this remnant is, like what it truly means to be a remnant. I start studying it. Um, and here's, here's what, I've remnant, what I have realized, a little remnant, uh, realized about the remnant is it is a lot like this chicken pot pie I made last week. Now, I don't know if you have a favorite dish that your mom makes, but my mom makes a killer chicken pot pie, a killer chicken pot pie. So I just heard someone amen that because they know my mom's chicken pot pie is good. And so last week I'm like, you know what? I want a chicken pot pie. Here's the complicated part is I'm on Whole30, day 15, what's up, halfway. Thank you very much. And, uh, and I'm like, I need a chicken pot pie. Well, it's real hard to make a chicken pot pie when you can't, like, have flour. You know what I'm saying? Like, how am I, how am I supposed to do that? I'm like, I'm going to figure it out. So I look it up. I figure out Whole30 compliant ingredients. I start making this chicken pot pie. And let me tell you, this chicken pot pie, it was good. It was real good. Um. And so it, it caused me to be about an hour late to Halloween. Uh, but I was like, I'm going to make this chicken pot pie because I want it. 
And, um, and so how many of y'all know that had I made this entire chicken pot pie and left my house and come back that night to find my roommates had eaten my entire chicken pot pie and there were only crumbs left, I wasn't going to be too excited about that. Look, I love my roommates. I just got matching tattoos with my roommates, but they mess with my chicken pot pie? No. I don't want crumbs. I want a pie. The whole point is you have a pie, a whole circle. You know what I'm saying? The whole circle, not even a slice out the pie. I want the whole, whole pie. Because who gets excited about crumbs when they have created an entire chicken pot pie? God does. I'm going to reel you back in, okay? This is how this works. God created each and every one of us to have a relationship with him. He wants the whole thing. There is not a person on this earth that God does not want a relationship with. There's not a person on this earth that Jesus didn't die for. But you know what? It doesn't make him any less excited about the crumbs. Just because every single person on the earth doesn't know him, it doesn't mean that he doesn't get excited about the few who do. Does that make sense? There is a remnant, just a remnant. There is only crumbs compared to who God actually wants in the family. And he still gets excited about the crumbs. It's easy to fathom God showing up for an entire nation of people who are fully submitted and devoted to him. That's easy to fathom. But here's the thing, is God will show up in a situation where there is only a remnant. Because he shows up for the remnant every single time. Where there is a remnant, God shows up. So make no mistake, you are called. You are set apart. If you are in this room, if you are on this planet, you are called and you are set apart to be, to be a remnant. But it is your choice. It is your choice. So these final two verses show us the three important things about the remnant of God that we need to know. Um, it also uh, can help us measure our lives against the word of God. How many of y'all know that once you are in Christ, you're no, it, the Bible says you're no longer just convicted of your sin, but you're convicted of Jesus' righteousness, right? And so it's not just like, oh, you screwed up, oh, you screwed up. It's more like, you know what, Jesus was holy in this regard. And so the Holy Spirit is in me to perfect me and help me to put on the holiness and the righteousness of Christ, right? We're convicted of Jesus' righteousness once we are in Christ. And so that's what the Word does. The Word gives us a standard, the Word of God, the living Word of God, gives us a standard to compare our lives to. And so these last two verses, they show us um, exactly as the remnant what we are called to. And it gives us something to compare our lives to. Um, and so this passage actually breaks down the very characteristics of what a remnant is. Um, and I'm going to fly through these because these aren't necessarily something for me to preach. It's more of an opportunity for you to, to give yourself kind of an inward evaluation. Am I these things? Am I part of this remnant? Um, and so that, that verse that I'm talking about is, uh, is back up to verse 30 in 2 Kings 19. It says, And the surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward, bear fruit upward, for out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant, and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors, and the zeal of the Lord will do this. Number one, the remnant only bears fruit upward because they're willing to be rooted downward. 
are you willing to be rooted downward? There was a point in my life um, that God really kind of turned my plan upside down. LOL, let me making a plan anyway. Still doesn't change the fact. I still make a lot of plans. Um, God just continues to turn all of them upside down. But this one was a pretty, this was a pretty huge plan. This was like, I thought I was moving across the world, and like all of a sudden, God's like, skirt, you ain't. And I'm like, then why the heck am I in Shreveport? Anybody ever ask them, themselves that question? Why the heck am I here? Don't worry. God gave me a love for it since then, but I did not love it then. And so I'm sitting in church one day, and I'm trying to figure out, um, why am I here? Why am I in Shreveport? I feel like I should be going. I feel like I should be moving. I've been here for like, I think at this point, 18 or 19 years. Uh, it was, I was 19. Um, I've, I've been here for so long. I feel like the Lord should have moved me out by now. And all he keeps doing is giving me opportunities to like stay. And I'm not really about that. And I remember my pastor preaching right at the height of like just feeling very restless about this, uh, feeling very broken about it. And uh, my pastor was talking about the process of being launched, right? Like, how many of y'all want to be launched? I know, I know I want to be launched by the Lord into my desti- destiny, into my calling, into what he's called me to. I want to be launched, right? And, and my pastor was preaching, and he said one of the most brilliant things I've ever heard. And he said, you know, everyone who, um, who wants to be launched, it, you think it's like just kind of like a rocket ship, but it's more like a slingshot, right? So, like, imagine yourself, you're the stone in a slingshot. And God's like, okay, I'm going to launch you now. But what does he have to do in order to launch you? He has to pull you back, right? And because God is good and because he listens to our prayers and because he moves when we ask him to move, so many of us get in this seat and get ready to be launched. And God says, okay, I'm about to launch you. And he starts pulling you back. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. This is not what I signed up for. I'm trying to be launched, God, let's go forward. Let's get to, let's do cool stuff. Let's like, let's go. You know, I've been, I've been waiting for this. And God's like, no, to be launched, I got to pull you back. But because he answers our prayers, so many of us get in this seat and he starts to pull us back. We're like, release me, release me. God's like, okay, I mean, I will, but it's not time. And, and he releases us. And how many of y'all know when a slingshot hadn't been pulled back, you're not going very far. You're not going to be launched very far, right? And he says, but when you get in this seat and you let God pull you back, you let him root you in places that you didn't think you wanted to be rooted in. You take that job, you buy that house, LOL, I'm like 21, I'm not buying a house. But like, I took, I pay rent, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Like, (laughs) I took a job in this city, I like enrolled in classes in this city. It is not what I wanted at the time, but it's what God told me to do. He said, I'm launching you. Trust the process. Let me root you. Because the only time that you are going to bear fruit upward is when your roots are deep within the ground. Are you rooted? Are you willing to let God root you? Are you serving in your local church? Do you have a local church? Are you jumping around? You know what I mean? Like, are you plugged in? Are you investing in friendships that glorify God and point you back to him? It is real hard to be launched into the destiny that God has for your life if you are not surrounded by people who are pointing you toward the destiny that God has for your life. 
Are you rooting your truth in God's truth? Are you getting in the word? There's so many people who are like, I've, I've heard so many people lately that are just like, you know what? It's not everybody's cup of tea, but I'm living my truth. I'm like, your truth is a lie. If your truth is not God's truth, it is counterfeit. Counterfeit still, it may look like the real thing, but it's not the real thing. You know what I mean? You have to be rooted, rooted in the word of God if you are ever going to bear fruit in your life upward. The remnant does get to move upward. And sometimes I have to remind myself of that because my life up until this point, up until this point has felt like a lot of this. And like, I'm not necessarily good at it, but I'm like, I'm still struggling with it sometimes, but I keep taking a step back and I'm like, Lord, if this is, make sure I'm not walking in again. If this is your process, if you want, if, if I am going to launch and you have to pull me back first, I'll do it because your word tells me that the remnant does in fact bear fruit upward. So pull me back, dig my roots deeper. Number two, the remnant takes action. Matthew 28, 18 uh, through 20, it literally says, and Jesus, uh, this is the very last thing Jesus ever said to his disciples, LOL, famous last words, probably important. Um, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, go. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. Are you going? Are you moving? Are you doing what God has put in front of you right now to do? There was a period of my life that I was like just waiting on what God has for me in the big picture. And the Lord's like, giving you things to do now. Do what I've told you to do now. Go and make disciples, Ellis. Make some disciples. Do, do what I'm telling you to do. You're going to get there. You're going to get to all that I have for you, but do what I've told you to do right now. Are you going? Are you moving? Or are you complacent with where you are? Here's the thing is the way that faith works is that we go and then God shows up. We walk by faith, not by sight, right? Sometimes the Lord's got, the Lord tells us to go. We don't know where we're going. Abraham set out, God's like, go. <laughs> Abraham's like, where? He said, I'll show you. The Bible literally says he set out without knowing where he was going. Peter walked on water. How many of y'all know he had to put his weight on the water to, con to be considered to have walked on the water? Like, we gotta put our weight in some stuff. We have to lean in. We have to move forward in what God has told us to do. And then he is going to show up and tell us where to go next. This is how faith works. Are you going? Have you taken steps in faith lately that unless God showed up, you would fail? We're called to impossible stuff because we serve an impossible God. That's just how this works. Right? If we're not taking steps in faith that we would fail if God didn't show up, we are not taking action. We're not walking in what God has called us to. We're not going. Here's the thing. You already know God's going to show up because he shows up for the remnant. Now, one time in history has he not showed up for the remnant. Number three, the remnant is banded together. It literally says in that verse that his people 
came out on the other side. It says, out of Mount Zion, a band of survivors will go. Remnants are banded together. Are you unified? Are you unified with the people around you? Or are you holding grudges? Do you have unforgiveness in your heart? Matthew 6, 14 and 15, if you forgive those who sin against you, your Father in heaven will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father can't, he will not, he cannot forgive your sins. Are we unified? Unforgiveness is the biggest thing that will ununify us. I don't even know if that's a word. It keeps us ununified. It keeps us, literally, it is impossible for us to be banded together with the body of Christ if we hold unforgiveness in our hearts. Are you a team player or are you trying to be a superstar? Because God's about unity. He's about the team. He's a, he, you know what God's really about? He's about himself. And we work together as the body of Christ to glorify God. It's not about us as a superstar. It is literally only about Jesus. God's about unity. The remnant fight for and with each other. Are you fighting for and with people or are you fighting against them? Look, this stuff is sneaky. This stuff will creep in. Sometimes fighting against somebody just looks like not believing the best about them. The love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, it says love believes the best in people. If you're not believing the best in, in the closest people, for the closest people of your life, how are you ever gonna believe in the best for the people who are against you? The Bible says, pray for your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. We have to believe the absolute best because if we're not, we're not, we're not fighting with or for each other. We're fighting against each other. And if we're fighting against each other, we are absolutely not unified. And the remnant is always unified. At the end of this passage, God goes the extra mile, as if he hadn't already. As if he hadn't already spoken to the enemy and said, turn around, go back, your winning streak ends here, I'm gonna show up on behalf of my people. As if he already hadn't said, you suck, go home. Like as if he hadn't done that. As if he hadn't reassured, like as if reassuring Hezekiah that he was gonna show up on the remnant's behalf wasn't enough. As if giving us the characteristics to know what a remnant of God's people looks like by which to measure our lives. As if all of that wasn't enough, he goes the extra mile one more time and he says one more thing that's only meant to leave us with hope. It says, it is the zeal of the Lord that will do this. It is the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies that shows up on our behalf that fights our battles, that tells our enemy to turn around and go home, and that tells us who we are as the remnant, as the body of Christ. It is not for anything that we have done that God does this, does this. It is about the zeal of the Lord that will do this. You know why it's the zeal of the Lord that does this? Is because all of these characteristics in our, in our own human nature, we will fall short. We will fall short. There are going to be times that we are not banded together. There are going to be times that we are fighting against each other. 
There are going to be times we are not going. There are going to be times that we are not rooted. And no matter how passionate we are about these things, we are going to fall short. And if God was only going to show up on a conditional basis, based on whether or not we were following these things and being the remnant of God, then God wouldn't be able to show up. But it is not based on what we do as the remnant of God for the reason that God shows up. It is literally based on the zeal of the Lord. It is based on something that does not run out because our ability to measure up to what God's called us to, it will fall short. But God's zeal will never, never fail, ever. He's moved by his passion. He's moved by his zeal. He fills in the gaps of our lives with his zeal. Praise God. Lord knows I've got some gaps. Lord knows I fall short. Lord knows I've been fighting against some folks. Lord knows I haven't believed the best. Lord knows I haven't forgiven. Lord knows I have sat my butt down and not moved. Lord knows I haven't gotten in the word at points in my life. Lord knows that I didn't want to be rooted. I wanted to make, I wanted to be ready. I wanted to be ready to go. So I wasn't going to be rooted. These are gaps in our lives. And he fills in the gaps with his passion, with his zeal. Because his passion and his zeal doesn't run short. Tonight, you may find yourself in a place where you're like, you know what, Ellis, I got some gaps. I have some sure fire gaps in my life. And thank God for his zeal that he's going to show up and fill those gaps in. You know? But it also means that we have to identify those gaps and just surrender them back to God. Like the, the only way to be healed is to, to confess your sins one to another, right? The Bible says that. You will be healed if you confess your sins one to another. You're going to be forgiven if you confess it to God, but you're going to be healed if you confess it one to another, right? You may find yourself in a place tonight that you're like, this girl has been talking about the remnant of God's people for like 45 minutes, an hour now, and I am not that. I'm none of those things. I don't even follow Jesus. Here's the thing. If you're sitting in this room tonight, you are called by God to be part of his people, to be part of the family, to be unified, to be banded together, to fight for people, right? To go, to have action, to bear fruit. This is available to you. And so I'm gonna ask you to stand. Our prayer team is gonna be on the sides. And if that's you, if that's you tonight, you haven't made the decision uh, to follow Jesus, we're about to pray. But if that's also you and you're like, you know what, I've got some gaps that I need to pray about because I know I'm called to be a remnant. I know I'm called to more than, than, the, than the way that I have been walking. Or maybe it's you and you just needed to know that God's looking at your enemies tonight and that he's already won the battle for you. We wanna partner with you in prayer in whatever way that is. Um, because the Bible says that where two or more are gathered, the Lord is there, he shows up, he hears our prayers, he moves on our behalf. Um, and so we're about to pray um, and then the band's gonna go back into it uh, and you'll have the opportunity to respond. Whether you wanna come forward and come to the altar and just get your life right with God and lay it down here, whether you wanna pray with one of our prayer team 
uh, there along the back walls. I encourage you to do whatever you have to do tonight to get your life right with God in whatever way that means. Look, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to do. I believe it. So if you'd bow your head with me, that would be awesome. God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you that you have called us out to be a remnant. You have called us to be part of your family. And I thank you that even in the areas that we fall short, it's your zeal, it's your passion that fills in the gaps of our lives. And so that's what we're asking you to do tonight. God, I I ask that your Holy Spirit would come, would move in this place, and that you would just do what you do. You show up, you heal. God, I pray that there would be an open heaven over tonight. God, that that people would come, um, come in needing something and leave fulfilled because you are the God who fulfills our every single need. I thank you in Jesus' name for what you're doing. If this message encouraged you and you want to know more about 318 Live, go ahead and visit our website, 318live.co, and we hope that you have the best day ever.